Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Thank you for listening to the sound of my voice in this moment. I do very much appreciate it and very excited for my guest today, who is Joseph Hayes and um, a longtime contributor to Orlando and somebody that I just think has such an amazing outlook on life and is his own person and just contributes to Orlando in his own one-of-a-kind Joseph Hayes way. If you have never met him, then my condolences to you because he is such a fun character and a lovely human being. Ah, oh, and his partner is so great as well. Um, before we get into that, we will get into the cocktail that I made for him, um, which I somewhat made up. I mean, all of these things are very widely accessible and I'm sure have been put together in some fashion, but I had made this and I continued to make it and I um, made it for a night when I was watching a show called Succession which you have not seen I would very highly recommend it is on HBO it is my favorite show um gosh it's up there with my favorite shows anyway I named this L to the OG and if you get it you get it if not it's okay you will when you watch it that is all besides the point. The point of this matter is this drink is so freaking delicious. And two of them is like, I'm golden. Just golden. So two ounces of sweet vermouth, my favorite thing in the world. 0.75 ounces of Treaty Hoak Ghost Hill Bourbon. So good. And then 0.5 ounces of orange liqueur, which I got one from St. Augustine Distillery. It's so good. I want to put that in everything. And then you're going to do another 0.5 ounces, half ounce of lemon juice. You're going to get a huge chunk, a biggest chunk that you can fit into a rocks glass of ice. And with a stir spoon, you're just going to stir that guy for probably like, I don't know, 30 seconds-ish. And it is, yeah, you can garnish it with uh, a lemon peel. Express all that lemon um, essence into the glass and then just drop drop that uh, lemon peel in there. It's, It's delicious and feels very fall for this moment. Anyway, I hope that you'll make it and follow along if you want. And uh, yes, so you will undoubtedly enjoy this the, the many stories and the many lives of Joseph Hayes. Um, he is currently a, I guess, a, a contributing editor to Edible Orlando, which is a very fine um a publication right here in central Florida and he has worked for a million years in as a food critic and a million other things as you will find out and he also writes plays which I've seen several of um 
but that is really just the surface, the, the start and the surface of all things Joseph Hayes. He's so, so wonderful. So I hope you will have a wonderful time enjoying this episode. Hey, Joseph. Hey, Dana. How are you? I am. I am. I am. You am. Yes. Yes, we yes. all am. Okay. Well, cheers. Well, thank you. Um, I wish we were much Our, closer together. Right. Here. You can't even clink we at this distance. No? Mm-hmm. To, there. But we can still <laughs> drink at this distance. So do one on the table. We will do one there. on the table. The sound and, of drinking. Um, and share a drink today. Okay. So today I made a drink that I kind of quasi, I think, made up, but it's what I've been drinking as of late. And All right. It's pretty incredibly easy. It mm-hmm. is uh, the Treaty Oak Ghost Hill Bourbon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like so good. You can drink it by itself or whatever you mix right. it in. And then sweet. And where milk. is that from, Dana? It's from Texas. All right. Yes. From Texas. Um, but they've been doing a lot of stuff in Orlando, which is great. Right. And then over this time, the past six months, seven months, I have become obsessed with sweet vermouth and I cannot stop drinking it. It's an interesting choice. I know. Yeah. Absolutely. And so over ice with like orange, like mm-hmm. an orange slice mm-hmm. is um something that I have I don't I actually don't really drink wine that much. Mm-hmm. It's not really um I like as as far as traditionally as people love wine, I I tend not to to enjoy it that much. But I, for some reason, this like little Italian sweet vermouth right. is something that I really right. like. So okay, that's in this as well. Uh-huh. And then an orange liqueur, and then some lemon juice. There you go. And there you go. It's quite refreshing. Oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing some day drinking with me. <laughs> sure. Yes. So speaking of cocktails, yes. which is one of my favorite subjects right. to... We're in the cocktail round. Now. We are in the cocktail round. Okay. Yeah. What would be um, a favorite and or a go-to cocktail for Joseph? I'll actually... I actually know the specific answer to that. Okay. Because I was doing a piece not all that long ago, sometime last year, for a magazine called Spirited which is out of LA. Okay. And I did a um, cocktail tour of Orlando and had the opportunity to spend some time at the Courtesy. Yes. With Gene Zimmerman. Yes. And he offered me, we were discussing the popularity of gin mm. over the past couple of years. Okay. That there are bars and lounges that have actually focused on nothing but gin yeah. these days. Have you heard of the gin joint? Yeah. In Tampa? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And actually the I've new restaurant at the um Grandy Lakes is a gin bar. Oh. Just opened. Okay. So that's interesting. So we were talking about gin and he said that his um his bartender, whose name I don't actually have and I'm, I'm sorry for that I apologize for not having that name made me a drink called the breath of the wild and uh, it is the, it is St. George terroir gin yes it is Montenegro okay it is sunflower orgiat which they make there Ooh. Um, lemon and mace which is a spice and you put that together 
into this drink called the Breath of the Wild. And it is the most refreshing and the most um, addictive. It fools you. Right. It makes you think that, oh, this is a lovely, like, din Light. ginger ale kind right. of lemonade thing. And, and, then... and it's been, wow, I probably did that in October, November, so a year ago, and I still think about it. <laughs> Do they still have it, like, on their menu? If they Maybe? don't, they'll make it. Okay. The, it was the Breath, Breath of the, the wild. wild. At the Courtesy. At the Courtesy. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you Worth are actually a... Um, What's, what I ask to all my guests is yes. if you could tell us a couple places around town to grab a great cocktail, mm. it would be a great resource for that because you probably have written and written a experienced few, a few things over I like, many years. I like the, um, the rum selection at uh, the Universal Hotel, which is called, wait, I... Thank God I write about these things because my brain does not hold on to any of this. Right. I'm telling you. Um, here it is. As, as we have a uh, awkward pause, mm -hmm. as I look up. Hold for. What? Hold for. Um, <laughs> hold for the looking up of the stories right. that I wrote. This was. Here we go. This was part of that story that I wrote for this magazine, which was a trade magazine for drinking. And what kind of job is that? Yeah. Wouldn't that be a fun thing? To how, have? Can I, how can I how set can myself up for that, that job? That, that's right. That's right. So, so great whiskey cocktails at the Bosendorfer Lounge. Okay. At the Grand Bohemian. Got it. Um, um, I like Mathers. I like, they've got a new place opening. That I'll be interested in seeing. I just read about that two day. Yeah, yeah. It's called Antiques. Right. Right. I like the um, the sake selection at Tori Tori. Yes. They do very interesting cocktails mm -hmm. with that, mm -hmm. and a very generous pour of sake. May I ask? Um, may, I, may I mention? Um, the pharmacy, of course is one of my favorites for food and for cocktails. Chef Lauren. I've ever been to oh, the pharmacy. It's the place that used to be a speakeasy and it'd have to find the elevator doors right. and they'd open up. Well, the doors are open now and you just go. And she makes amazing food right. and the bar is remarkable. And this is in Dr. Phillips, Windermere? It is indeed. Okay. Yes, yes. up in the Delagio kind of part of yes. Sand Lake Road. Right. And the Strongwater Tavern, which is at uh, Sapphire Falls. Okay. Has These are some great new ones that I haven't heard Hundreds and hundreds of rums. They have rums from oh, all yum. over the that rum belt right. that hugs the equator. And yes. all of the foods on the menus are from those same regions. So yum. everything from eight different kinds of ceviche from wherever they do raw fish like that, uh, to goat, to eribes, uh, all mm. marvelous. It's, mm. it's a place that's always overlooked and it's always fabulous. Say the name one more time. Um, um, <laughs> I put my phone away. Right. It's at Sapphire Falls and it's called Strongwater Tavern. Strongwater Tavern. Yes. Okay. Yes. 
I have never even, even heard of that. They'll even give you $5 parking if you're there. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So thankfully we do have a lot of wonderful places within Central Florida to go yeah. grab a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course eat and mm-hmm. we'll probably get to that as well. Um, but do you have a go-to drink for yourself slash do you make anything at home? Do you like have a drink that you like a very easy go-to since our current situation sure. began seven months, seven months. I'll have to catch my breath on that. Um, we've been sort of looking more at Saturday night. Let's have a cocktail mm-hmm. where normally we, would have a glass of wine or nothing. Mm. Um, so it's been um, gin and tonic. Mm. Find really good British gin. Okay. Uh, like a dry gin. A dry gin or a, or a cucumber gin. Or mm-hmm. There's so many different kinds of gins now. There's great gins being made right in Central Florida. Mm. Fabulous gins. Um, or I like, I have to stop saying um, or I like um, a reposado ah. um, tequila. Just neat? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I was fairly recent in the discovery of what mezcal and tequila really Ooh. was instead of just the stuff that takes the enamel off your teeth. Right. It really is good stuff if it's good. <sighs> so I like that a lot. Yeah. Or, you know, with it's some ginger ale or something like that. It's marvelous. Have, I'm sure you've obviously been to Reyes. Oh, yeah. And then they probably have a lot of good selections. Mm-hmm. They do. Right. They do. And some interesting things, some mezcal paste liqueurs that are not just tequila. Mm. There's a wide range of things that are just beginning to be discovered by the American population. Sure. That we've can claim we've never heard of before. So there's such a wide range. And yeah, Reyes has most of them right, right there. Yeah. And they're very willing to educate you. Yeah. So sit at the bar and enjoy. And they've even made their their own. They mm-hmm. went to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. And, and did, a I think, a reposado, double reposado mm-hmm. uh, in their own, some kind of twist or something right. on, on for, for Reyes, yeah. which is also so cool. Mm-hmm. Tequila and Mezcal are... Not my best friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you see, that's... As much as I... That's the picture that everyone has uh-huh. of tequila. You go out of a night and you drink four or five of them and you walk into a wall. Yeah. And there's... You have to go beyond that. You have to let that picture go and well, move into a different level of it. I mean, yes. I think also <laughs> that some, like, body types like go well with certain spirits this is very true because tequila has always just messed me up uh-huh. or like i could drink See? like a gin or a vodka this is what i'm talking about a... i think it's the sugar <sighs> that that has a lot of sugar yeah well it's sugar based right. i mean that's how it's made agave is a fruit it mm-hmm. is after all a a fruit based beverage Whatever it does, it does not do well by me. See, me as as genetically Russian, Ah. I go to vodka. Sure. It's like, you know, I could do that all day. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you're absolutely right. It depends on your body. Yeah. Yeah. And mezcal, personally, just as like on an aesthetic level Mm. or whatever you want to call it, I don't often 
like smoky things. Right. Doesn't so like, have to be. Right. Smoky. It doesn't. Yeah, right. It doesn't have I, to be smoky. I need to probably. Whiskey doesn't have to be smoky either. Oh no. Yeah. Mm. But most people go to that smoky, tarry, uh, just lick the inside of a furnace kind of thing. Right. That's that's not drinking. That's a dare. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. That's not enjoyable. I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. There's so many, of course, like whiskeys that are uh, that are not don't have to be smoky. Because yeah. I just I tend to not. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, anyway. I agree with you. But I, I mean, there's so many it. great things, and I, I mean, I'm always trying. I mean, trying is a. <laughs> You're always trying. You're just throwing yourself into your work. Right. Data. Sometimes is like okay. Well, you know, I'll taste things or I'll expand mm -hmm. my palate. You know, but then you always always have your things that you go to, like right. your go-to drinks, like a uh, gin and tonic. Yeah. Joseph, I all summer. I mean, we're practically still in summer, but gin and tonics Might as well be. really are. We yeah, yeah. We still have a lot of summer ahead of us. Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway. We, we digress. We could <laughs> probably talk about... We're diving um, deep into the alcohol Yeah, which is also game. fun because, yeah. like, it's fun to have you. I ask these questions to all my guests, but have having somebody that has um, deep resources and deep knowledge that you've been here for a long time. And yeah, I think uh, that's fun to kind of hear some new ones around town. Well, good. And who knows when we'll be back out again to... Um to enjoy them in person. Uh-huh. Do but... we really want to have that discussion? No, no. not really. Okay. No, right. All right. So it's, yeah. it's weird times. It is. We'll next, leave it. next question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, the fun part drink. about this podcast for me is really this chance to be able to share stories. Uh -huh. And being in Orlando, like myself, has been for 20 years, and um, I think really seeing so many culturally things shift yeah. and grow, and Orlando, you know, we're not there yet. We're kind of like an adolescent, but we've really grown into a lot of things kind of on this side of town. Mm. Um, we've got a plethora, and, and it's cool to also hear more about things on, on the more of the attraction side for folks like me that don't really hang right. out there quite as often. Yeah. Um, well, A, it is a trip. It's 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 it, a hassle getting uh, down there. It's a hassle driving around with all those people who don't know where they are, right. what side of the road they're on. Yeah. Uh, and it's... I always used to say that half of my job, writing both in town and for international publications, half of my job was pointing out that people coming to the attractions are missing the local scene, mm. that there are great restaurants mm. and places to go that are not a theme park. Mm. And the other half was telling people who live here right. that there's things down there that are, that are great. Phenomenal. Yeah. Right. In our own backyard. When you think about it, who else has the, who else had the resources to keep the doors open? And to attract a great chef and great bartenders than the hotels and theme parks. Mm -hmm. We're sort of wavering a little bit <laughs> on that, but that that shall return. Mm. It shall. So all of us have places that we've overlooked that we go, I'm not going down there. Well, maybe right. you should. Yeah. Maybe you should give it a try. I agree. Eventually. Because uh -huh. <laughs> there is so much excellence in places that we kind of are unexpected right. for us. And great local people who are working in these vast 
resorts and theme parks, mm-hmm. people who live here, people who make their sure. make their living here, mm-hmm. who are intensely talented yeah. and really dedicated to that very thing that the word that hovers over all of the restaurants and theme parks and bars and things like that, mm-hmm. hospitality. We are known yeah. for that. Which I like, because yeah. I like hospitality. That's right. Yeah. So I would love to hear uh, and do an even deeper dive into oh. your story, oh, of, story of who is the enigma of see, Joseph I, Hayes. See, I write stories. I know, but my, now, I, now I want my, to tell your story. My whole thing is that I don't write about restaurants. I don't write about physical spaces. Okay. I mean, anybody can say, all right, the bar is there and the stools are made out of chicken bones. And that might be a fascinating fact and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. But the people who work in those places, that's Mm -hmm. the fascinating part. That's the beauty. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do is I write about those people. So that's, and then I write theater. And those are the stories that I write. So... My part of it, my story is sort of not as important as those. Well, I I would not say that. (laughs) And I get to ask the questions. Well, I suppose so. Right. And I get to choose the answers. So as we don't really choose exactly where we're placed in the universe and our family of origin Mm -hmm. and our DNA and all the things that we just are placed here. And then now we have to figure it out like everyone else. Mm Um, I would love to know kind of like what was like the formative years, like your early years, um, for growing up, like Mm -hmm. what was your family like and Mm -hmm. where did you live and do you have siblings and what were those kind of, you know, zero to (laughs) zero. Let's start at zero. I was born a small child. I, uh, was born and raised, or as a friend of mine says, born and lowered in New York, uh-huh. In the borough of the Bronx, okay, which is known as the toughest and most diverse section of the entire country. There are more different kind Whoa. of people in the Bronx than anywhere else in the country. Right. So that's where I grew up. Okay. And went to school and went to college and, uh, and grew up on the streets and being the bad boy and really stuff like that okay learning how to run and what was what did that entail all kinds of things you know being a very diverse kind of place you meet a very diverse kind of crowd Uh uh-huh everywhere from scholars and musicians to gang members and you have to learn how to deal with all Mm -hmm. of those things and that's what i did adapt being an adaptable kind of kid right i didn't i didn't know until I was 40 years old, and I'm a bit more than 40 years old now for all you people listening in your ears, uh, that I was attention deficit. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I just thought I was crazy. I just thought I was the underachiever. Right. Not living up to his potential is the official term, <laughs> is, the, is the term on report cards. Oof. So... There was that. There was the kind of brain that would pick every sort of thing out of the air Mm -hmm. and be curious about it because normal, mundane kind of single-level life does not excite the attention deficit brain. Mm -hmm. So you're constantly looking for something else 
that's shiny, right. that will attract your attention, that will give you a challenge. Hmm. So you learn all kinds of things hmm. and you hopefully stay out of enough trouble that you can prosper and you hopefully learn enough things that you can use them in later life. And I can honestly say that every one of the very many jobs that I've had over yeah. my long life um, have eventually helped, have eventually come into, there's the information that I know and this is how I can use it now. Mm -hmm. And particularly when I'm writing my plays, I've got this vast field of things that I just picked up that are still in my brain. Sure. I have trouble remembering it. I just had to look up a place that I've been a couple of dozen times. Right. I had to look up the name of it, but I can tell you song lyrics from 40 years ago, and I can tell you uh, all kinds of things and band, band members and things like that, because mm -hmm. those kind of things are interesting. I'll yeah. stick in my head. So my childhood was that kind of thing. School And was, your parents just kind of were like, let you roam free or well, had a very like it, it, relaxed that's, that's the way it happened okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll just leave it at that okay uh, i i was the kind of kid where school was easy well that's nice so well means so then you got bored you get bored and you don't feel any sort of impetus to try hmm. because you know that it's just gonna be fine Right. You know? Lack of motivation. In a way. In a way. So you uh, you have these opportunities that perhaps you let go by because they weren't that interesting at the time and things like that. So I was, I was a good student. I never got the immense amount of grades that I could have very easily just because it was, oh, this is easy, this is good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, and I see that in kids now. I hear that from our family. Uh -huh. Oh, you know, was, I handed it in at the last minute. Right. My whole life is the last minute. If I didn't have deadlines, and if I didn't know that I could accomplish this in a week instead of the four months that I have to do it. Right. Things would just <laughs> things would be Things would be very different indeed. Right. Yeah. Did you have any siblings? I have two brothers, two much younger brothers. Oh, okay. One of them still lives in New York, and one of them is in just outside of Tampa. Oh, all right. Yeah. What were what were you like as like a middle school, high schooler? Like, what who who were you showing up as? It's mm, an interesting question. I was kind of shy. I've always been shy, and um, as obviously you can tell. And so I kind of kept to myself. I was a fervent and avid reader, and I liked mm. that more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Same. Um, I loved music, still do. And so my crowd was small and mostly involved with artists and musicians and wacky people. Again, because they were interesting. Mm -hmm. So I didn't hang out a lot with other kids and uh well you had your own crew i had my well i had my uh -huh. own small crew yeah right? and uh that was 
that Are you was playing my any childhood. instruments or in band or in I, a band on your own? I, or? Did, I did those things. Okay. Yeah, it comes and goes. Right. Yeah. It was it was something that my brain was into at the time. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of put myself through college playing music. Okay. Yeah. What are the instruments that you... Guitar, mostly. Okay. Yeah. And I can honestly tell you that I haven't picked up a guitar in 20 years. That's a long time. That's a long time. Yes. Because I have another art form now. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily need that anymore. Use that one. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So after you successfully... What's in this drink? <laughs> What's in that drink? Well, I just said, but... Uh, <laughs> um, you you finished high school and you're like, okay, thank God, probably done with that. And did college in... The in Bronx. New York. Okay. In New York. In, yes. Okay, City, in New York. City University. Okay. Yeah. And what was like compelling you at that time? I studied English. Again, because it was easy, because it was what I knew. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But it was also pretty still, like, with attention deficit, was it was it something that you were not looking forward to or that you were like, oh, I should do this because it will lead to out- outcomes that are good? Or was it like, I have to like, kind of, like, concentrate so hard to be able to execute the work in front of me that I need to, to do? Once again, it was easy. Okay. Yeah. It was easy for me. I can honestly say that I've never planned any part of the path the trajectory of my of your life. life. That's right. Okay. Any of the jobs I've ever had have been pseudo-accidental. Okay. I never said, I'm going to go for that. It just sort of happened. Happens. And I've been very lucky, and I've let opportunities go by because that wasn't part of the non-plan. Uh-huh. So... You know, like I said, being uh, an English major was because that's what I could do, and it was easy, and it was interesting enough. And I worked in the radio station college, which started that part of my career. And what was your? It's not an interesting story. It's (laughs) it's just existence. Yeah, but those things that leads to the things that you do and. And it is an interesting story. What was the radio? World the radio like? station at the at, what did you at, do? At the college was I was on the radio. You were on the radio. I was doing this right okay, now, sitting in front of a microphone, right, and playing music. Ah, yeah. Okay. And that was my love. Like, were you DJing as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with WPRK. I am indeed. Right. Yeah. I've been in and that's pretty. That's a bunch of that's times. sort of what it was like. Okay. Except it was far more freeform all of the time mm. than what I I listened to PRK and of course we're listening to the radio a lot more these days because we're not necessarily going to work. So I find that. Um, it sort of surprised me to remember that college radio still has a playlist uh-huh. and there are songs that they play a lot. Mm. And so I'll be in the car and go, I, I heard that an hour ago. Oh yeah. That's, that's how, how that, they do radio. That's how that works. Right. That is radio. So college radio at the time was not that. It right. was whatever people wanted to play. 
And so I did. I played whatever I wanted to play. So there was a lot of folk music at the time and a lot of jazz and a lot of uh, things from South America and Italy mm -hmm. and whatever happened to catch my eye. Bossa Nova. Everything. Right? Yeah. That's pretty fun. Experience. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. Did you graduate from that mm -hmm. college? Mm -hmm. And then what was kind of the next thing that befell you? I worked in radio. I worked in retail. I ran a, um, a high-end uh, home stereo store. And I sold books and I trained people how to sell high-end stereo and all sorts of things in between. I sold chocolate in a department store. Yes, please. All that kind of stuff. I yeah. have a, a classic attention deficit writer's resume. You do everything. Uh -huh. You move on to the next thing. Right. And that's and This was happens. all in New York. This was all in New York. In the... Just give us a ballpark. In New York, in the city. I know, but in, like, in what, what, what age or what um, years, like, oh, in the Oh, dear. 70s? Well, I came, down, I came down here in 76. No, 96. I'm sorry. 76. My goodness. Right. I came down here as a young child. I came down here in 96. So up until the mid-90s, I was there. Okay. Mostly still living in the Bronx? No, in the city. In and, the city? And Manhattan. The upper state and things like that, but most, mostly centered around New York, okay. the, the city as we call it. Okay. When you're in New York and you say the city, everybody knows what you're talking about. Which is Manhattan. It's Manhattan. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's where I was. That's where you were. And then when I moved here, I was, uh, didn't have work. I wasn't working. What brought you to Orlando? Love. Love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. I met someone who, who was, was this love. I met someone who was living here, and we were both in. We were both on AOL. Remember AOL, kids? One hundred percent. It used to exist. Chat. It used to exist back then. Uh -huh. And there was a writers group called the Writers Club, and it was people who were writers or wannabe writers or pseudo writers or just liked writers. And we had Anne Rice in there and we had Tom Clancy in there. I mean, it was a oh. big deal. In we, Orlando or New York? Everywhere. Every oh. On, on AOL. Oh, on AOL. Yeah, okay. that's what I'm talking about. Yes. Um, and I met this um, whip smart, amazing woman. And within nine months I was here. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Right. Takes a drink. That's right. So I moved <laughs> captioned for the right. visually. So uh, I moved down here and I was reading the Sentinel and I was living at College Park and there was nothing in the paper about College Park. And I wanted to know about where I was living. So I called up the section editor. I said, there's no news about my new neighborhood. And I'm just curious. This about is it. late 90s. This was 96, 90 into 97. Right. And I was told, well, we don't have a writer in that area. And I said, you do now. Having never worked for a newspaper or a magazine before, ever. Okay. I pitched them six stories. They bought four. 
and that's my career. And here you are. And here I am. Right. 24 years later. 24 years later. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's the story. Right. <laughs> that's what I do. That is what you do. Yeah. But yeah. it also takes initiative to, like, it's not just happenstance, but you really put things into motion by being proactive and mm-hmm. being engaging with things that you do want to work for and publications that you would find valuable to lend your services to. Again, it's catching my interest. Right. If you can be shiny enough, I'm interested. Right. Yeah. And then you will proceed to make whatever it is happen. Well, I liked it. Right. Okay. You know, a lot of the things that I'd been doing up until that point, I didn't necessarily care for. And this I liked. Right. This was finally offering me an opportunity to tell stories. Mm. And that's what I do. That's that's my heritage from my family's right. is telling stories. You know, my grandfather, who was the guiding force in my life, told stories. Sure. And his stories have turned into very many parts of my plays. Okay. Just that attitude of telling the story. Right. Of relaying information that you need to know, and I'm going to tell you about it, but I'm not going to tell you, you should do this. I'm going to tell you a story. So the whole idea of writing for a newspaper and writing for magazines and being able to tell those stories when I was granted the opportunity to do that is constantly fascinating and always changing. Right. And that's my wheelhouse as it were. So you've been writing for a long time in Central Florida. I've been writing since 97. Yeah. Yeah. I got um, I got to Orlando Magazine for the first time in 98. Okay. And that was my first masthead job that I was mentioned in the front of the magazine on a regular basis. And I worked there until 2000. And then I moved over to the weekly. Okay. And I was there for four years. And Lindy Shepard was my editor, and she was the most fantastic person I'd ever met in my life and really formed how I do that kind of job Mm. because she allowed me to tell the stories and let me know how they could be better. So it was a wonderful wonderful opportunity. And I I thank her a lot for that. So then in... um, 2000 to 2004, I was at the weekly. Okay. And then the weekly couldn't afford me anymore, (laughs) to be honest. Fair enough. So I did a whole bunch of other stuff and wrote for many, many, many other publications all around the world Mm -hmm. and travel guides and things like that. And then in 2009, I was offered the opportunity to come back to Orlando Magazine as the dining critic, food writer, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever that title was. I don't even remember anymore. And I did that for 11 years. Not and including the two years? that's a long time. Not including, no, from 2009 until... Until this, this year? This month was my last issue. Whoa. The Dining Awards. Right. That we put off. And, and now we uh, move on to other things. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time to do something. It is a long time to do something. And I think particularly in the age we're living in, in the kind of situation that we're in, and having done restaurant reviews, things like that, for 11 years, 
it becomes less important to dwell on those kind of details of, kind of, details. of what the dish looks like and where the chef came from and what the furniture, how it's arranged okay. and what their hours are. And when that job became, because there were no restaurants open, when that job became mm -hmm. who's doing takeout and who is closed sure. and what their menu might be, it no longer fascinated me. And I felt that it was time that the larger picture be written about mm -hmm. and the larger issues be written about. And my thoughts about it, it's very difficult even as a critic, which is a personal job, sure. you are talking about your own impressions mm -hmm. of something and your opinion and attitude. It's me one person. It's me one person. Sure. And people forget that that one person has their own. Has nothing to do with how you think about it. Right. We just talked about, you don't like tequila. I happen to like tequila. Mm -hmm. So if I write about something, I'm going to say, I really like tequila. And you're not going to agree with that. And that's great. Right. That's fine. But the power, not so much anymore, but still, the power of the restaurant critic is intensely overblown. And the restaurant sure. ki critic can and has closed restaurants mm -hmm. by one piece of paper. And I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm interested in looking at the community mm. and what people are doing. As we d discussed before we sat down here, the people themselves yeah. and those stories, that's what's important. Mm -hmm. So this piece that I just wrote for Edible Orlando is about the larger mm -hmm. picture of where people are going in this moment. In this moment, but after. No one's really writing about the after. Yeah. What are they going to do when, as of yesterday, Somewhat the doors are open? Well, maybe not. We don't know exactly we, when the after or what the don't. after looks like. We don't like. know when it's going to happen or what it's going to look like. Right. So the, the thoughts of the people involved day to day about what that might be and how they're preparing for it, mm -hmm. that's a lot more interesting to me right now. Mm. So that's the kind of things that I'll be writing about. What's happening with farms? Right. What's happening with bees? Not just how that plate was dressed, but where the, the things- The longevity of, yeah. of, well, one, where our food is coming from, and, yeah. and then two is, is, what is our dining out experience gonna Mm -hmm. live and look like yeah how how are we yeah i mean some of it is a lot we don't know but in this moment it is taking a temperature on on like mm -hmm. what what people want and then right um what can we do to be yeah. able to be a an offering to the community mm -hmm. in that way yeah and what's their responsibilities to that yeah and how is what they've done affect what they're going to do and what have they learned in the meantime? Mm -hmm. So that's where I've, I've gone. And whatever venue, whatever avenue that allows me to do that, that's where I'm going to be. And that's where you're going to see me. I'm not, I haven't gone anywhere. A lot of people have said, what a lovely retirement you're going to have. I'm not retired. I've simply changed focus. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Could you... And I have to say, before I go any further than that, yes. that I enjoyed and appreciated and truly loved what I was doing at Orlando Magazine. 
and I always will. Mm-hmm. That opened doors and allowed me to meet people that I wouldn't have met otherwise that are true and dear and both friends and people that I respect and admire a great deal. Yeah. So there. Right. It really is <clears throat> human centered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It should be all that we do. And I mean, right. there are humans behind everything, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're in theater or production. We'd like or, to think so. Right. I mean, that, we're not so sure that about is, some of that. That is the hope. <laughs> Uh, and I think how we, it's a, yeah, how we treat each other is just a, a huge, um, reality of how communities develop Mm -hmm. and how we can be best at being human Mm -hmm. and be better at. Again, it's a responsibility. It's like, it's like you said, there are things that um, we should be doing on a human side Mm -hmm. that get put aside. And this is not the time for that. Right. Would you share with me just even, doesn't have to be like a comprehensive list or anything like that, but like being here and writing for for a lot of years, have Mm -hmm. there been a couple standout restaurants that you have always kind of cherished there always is and that does change and due to my unique brain chemistry Mm -hmm. um they are very often forgotten (laughs) Uh (laughs) or cannot be called up on a regular basis at 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 at, a moment's notice yes that's true that's true like i said i like strong water tavern okay i love carlos the chef there and he does amazing things and it's a shame that it's all the way down there because I don't go, but people should go. Right. I love that place. I love when we were, this is now 12 years ago, maybe longer when we, yeah, about 12 years ago, we redid our kitchen. Okay. Because both of us cook and it was a tiny little college park bungalow kitchen mm. that you couldn't get two people in. And so we decided to bite the bullet and have the kitchen redone. Well, the kitchen was out of business for six weeks. And we spent practically every day at Hawker's. Uh, We were there almost every day. Fair enough. Yes. It's very delicious. So that was was our kitchen. Okay. Hawker's was fed you, kept you alive. That will always be very deep in my heart. Okay. That place. Um, I liked Kay when Kevin yeah. was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God, there's, there's so many places. The problem is that while I was doing the job of being a food critic, I was doing the job of being a food critic, which meant there was always something new. There was always a place I had to go. Mm-hmm. So even if I like somewhere, I couldn't go back. I didn't have the time. Right. So I don't have those kind of favorites because it was impossible. Hmm. It can't be done. And now they ain't open. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to rebuild that favorites list from the outside now and maybe find new outsides. I'll tell you, I love with a passion Susuru. I have not been there. Which is down near Dr. Phillips. Dr. Phillips, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. <laughs> it Amazing. is so good. It is just like 
Japanese bar food mm-hmm. and it, yakitori. Yakitori, and it 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 looks like uh, somebody's basement rec room in Osaka. Mm-hmm. And it's just wood paneling and. It's the food is phenomenal. Okay. I love that place. And I have not been back since I reviewed it, which is now January. So, well, that'll, yeah. yeah. For some reason, I can't uh, imagine why I've not been back. (laughs) You know, I could tell you all kinds of places, but it's, it's not my job anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Speaking of that, as yes, one please. part of your job, but um, you've also obviously, I think, a lot of who you are and how you offer is is the sharing the stories, mm-hmm. and so that um, reflects in your writing mm-hmm. um, and food and drink, um, but it also reflects into the uh theater in the art world yes. as well so yes. can you take us on that journey that journey is an parallels with your it's an interesting journey i started my creative side of writing life uh-huh. as a mediocre short story writer okay i was all right i wasn't very good i got published in a couple of places no big deal i went to the atlantic center for the arts which I hope you know about in New Smyrna Beach. Okay. It is a residency for artists that about eight times a year, they bring in, I forget the name they use for it now. They used to call them master artists. They've changed that. Mentors, creative mentors, world-class artists, usually a writer, usually a graphic artist of some kind, Mm -hmm. and usually a musician. They, in turn, pick eight to ten people for a session, for a three-week session. Okay. And you go there. They live there, residency? You stay there. Yes. In this place for three weeks, doing nothing but your art and picking the brains of the other artists. Mm -hmm. And never do they say, go out and hang out with the musicians. You discover that on your own. So it's yours. And so you spend three weeks totally surrounded by wilderness and swampland and beautiful buildings and art. Okay. I've been there extremely selfishly, I might say, three times. Okay. There's no reason I should have gone the third time, but I went anyway. Do you get selected? Or yes, do you, you get selected fly? by the mentors. Okay. And you hang out with your group for whatever sessions you do. Okay. And then I used to run across the quad and hang out with the musicians for the rest of the evening and things like that. I learned how to bead. Okay. Because there was a Pulitzer Prize winning beater there. MacArthur Grant winning people, that kind of thing. Sure. So you go there and you soak in all that atmosphere. Right. The second time I was there, the mentor for writing was a Canadian novelist named Douglas Copeland okay. who wrote Generation X. He says he invented that term. He didn't, but that's another story. And at the end of the three weeks of working with your fellows and doing assignments or lessons or whatever you want to call it, you sit down with your mentor and you talk about the experience and what you brought into it and what you got from it and what you're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, you write these short stories, which are okay. You spend a lot of time setting place. 
this is what the room looks like and this is how he moved his left foot meanwhile your dialogue is outstanding ah why aren't you doing more than that and i said well because dialogue is easy for me Mm -hmm. i'm constantly listening to people around me if i'm on a bus or in a restaurant i hear what other people are saying and i soak that in and I use those peats sometimes sure. verbatim. And then into a story. And turning it into a basing a story on that. Right. I said, so it, it's easy for me. And therefore, I'm not certain that, that there's any worth to it. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no struggle. So how can it be anything of value? And he said, what I've learned in my experience is that Artists spend half of their lives figuring out what they do well and the other half not doing it. <laughs> he said, stop this crap with the short stories, write plays. Ah. Six months later, I had my first fringe show in front of a paying audience. Was that like a very pivotal moment? It was life. It was life. Mm. It was life. Mm. It just gave me my art. That's and beautiful. I've never looked back. When somebody has the capacity um, to edit and then to do it grace, graciously and to say um, it helps us to be the best version or the like they can call out within us. Sometimes yeah. we can't see it as oh, clearly. Not, not in the least. And then to have, to have mm -hmm. somebody um, with the with the balls enough to sure. to speak into your life you mm -hmm. know in in that way and yeah. to, to sometimes make a very huge pivotal shift yeah yeah and the odd thing was that i've been working on the tech side of theater since i was 14 years old mm. and it never so occurred to me familiar. to create theater of my own until huh. that moment and now it's if i could make a living at it i would do nothing but that right but I can't. <laughs> I'm not Neil Simon. Right. I never will be. But I have to do it. Right. I have to write the plays. So I... So you started at Fringe in what I year? I started Fringe in 2002. Oh, wow. It was my first Fringe show. Okay. Yeah. I had another one in 2004. Wow. In, the, in between those two years, I'd written three other plays. Okay. That so all went out into the world that were all picked up by one person or another. Hmm. So between 2002 and this year, I'm in the middle of one right now, I have written 16 plays. I've had productions and readings in 45 places. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. What? Two and a half, three a year. A year. Constantly. <laughs> so you but always I, have something tinkering. There's always, I've got five pieces in my head right now. There's never a shortage. Right. And now I've got time, don't I? <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? So I'm doing a piece right now that I'm in the, in the middle of producing for online that mm -hmm. I'm recording and zooming and staging. So it's going to be three separate scenes that are done three separate ways. It's called deliverance. It's about having food delivered to you. It's the world we're in right now. Okay. So I'm recording some pieces, a meeting with actors and other pieces, mm -hmm. and we're going to do part of it on the Timucua stage okay. without an audience. 
Sure. Just to have it on a stage. Sure. To remind people what a stage looks like. Yeah. Hmm. So it's it's always happening. I've seen you on the Timakua stage. That was one place that I've seen one of your plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, think, I think of that as my town. home. I think of that as my artistic home. It is such a, a valuable thing for Orlando yeah. to have. I wish, I wish people knew, uh, recognized that more hmm. so that he wouldn't have to constantly fight i had benoit on this podcast excellent and um i just am such a huge fan and you actually got to speak hardly (laughs) hardly i think he talked for almost 20 minutes on like the pies that his mother made (laughs) and about 18 different pies and i was like well thank you and we also have that's the pie podcast that we have to um Oh my gosh. Speaking of which, what do we have left? So great. It was so great. Um, So that, yeah, it's. So that's my, that's my theater work. Right. And I, I, like I said, I would do nothing but Hmm. if I had the opportunity. Sure. And I'm not interested. I'm never going to have a piece on Broadway. I don't care if I do. I don't want it. Yeah. That's not my life. It's not where it is. I write a play. I put it on so I can see how it works. I get my instant gratification is far from instant but i get to see the work and then people react to it and then i send it out into the world and what happens after that it's my babies they've flown the coop right they'll be fine right yeah and that's that's that part of it that's that part of it i'm intensely happy with it that's uh beautiful because i think it's interesting to for me live in this moment Mm -hmm. um in the sense of not this moment, 2020, but what I have known of generations past is, is sometimes they, you, you know, go to school, maybe you get a further degree, but then you work in insurance or a school teacher for 40 years right. and then you retire. And mm-hmm. then that is the kind of the culmination is, is in one direction, mm-hmm. but the place of kind of my life and of, you know, generations since then have been, um, not as tethered to just one career mm-hmm. being able to, um, have the capacity to, to change things. Or, I mean, the more that we know that we're such complex human beings, right. So we are not just one thing, you know, we can, some people are, are like, can be very, uh, devoted and very streamlined. And that's the way that they were, made to be and right. then other people can be seven different they have seven different passions right like and so knowing kind of where you can fall and then honing in on a couple that really give you pleasure mm-hmm. and to say i'm not just one thing and how beautiful it is that we can express ourselves um and sometimes we do have an overarching theme which yours is like really sharing stories mm-hmm. um which is also part of mine like right. i really do love the sharing of the story. So this is one medium and then around a dinner table is another medium. And, um, I miss that. I miss, I miss having a dinner party. We, we do that a lot. Yeah. We love to have and meeting those people together. Mm -hmm. People who don't know each other, but know us. And that's enough to get them there. Yeah. I miss that a lot. Strangers. I mean, I have a, I've got a big cabinet of wine <laughs> that I have, Ready not, for have not been able to use Ready for because of this. Yeah. Right. 
We are slowly starting to do private parties, yes. like I said. Yeah. And so that has been um, kind of a bright spot in, in this time of... Um, also, like we've talked a little bit about trying to gather strangers together and not a lot of response on my end. So it is kind of navigating where we are in, in this moment of history. That's probably not the time. But um, people need each other like we sure. need each other yeah. so it's like very intentional like how do we do this safely mm -hmm. and um it's also been yeah really fun being able to serve people within private parties so it's their own group of friends or right. family right. and then you know to celebrate something like we need to still have touchstones that keep us you know human and somewhat of normalcy so mm -hmm. Um, was there ever a, um, a season in your life or a moment in your life that was, uh, pretty like devastating or tough to have to experience? And then like, how did you kind of get through that and keep on moving? Ever? Of course there's been. I know. Who doesn't have those kind of experiences? Well, yeah, but sometimes it's like. Sometimes it's like a either life major life moment yeah. or yeah. a breakup or sometimes it's it's a more concentrated moment of like hitting something pretty big and then figuring out how to now continue with life. I'll have to say I'm going to I'm going to go back to the moment that I found out that I was attention deficit mm. because my life up to that point was kind of miserable. You up know, till 40? Up, yeah. Yeah, I had failed relationships. I had failed jobs. Mm. Um, and that kind of thing happens when you don't understand who you are and how your mind, mind is working. Works. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When you think one thing and it's actually something completely different, mm -hmm. that is not... I can't say it's not in your control because everything is, but it's not explainable with the information that you currently have. Sure. That's the important thing. And I tell people when they're going into new jobs or they're trying new situations or they're about to launch on something new, and I've given this advice to a lot of people and some listen and it works, is be audacious. Don't let your fear and your nervousness mm -hmm. and your lack of information hold you back. Find out what you need. Mm -hmm. So everything in that, I almost said that half of my life. I'm not that old <laughs> getting there. But uh, in that section of my life mm -hmm. was predicated on this unknown that was in my own head. Mm -hmm. Why are these things happening? I have no idea. So all of that led me to be a much more optimistic person. I'm very rarely depressed these days. I mean, That's internally. Right. Outside, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, God. That is a... Uh... Where's the gin? I mean, that, <laughs> that, that goes without saying. We're not going to have those discussions. Uh -huh. But in terms of things that are interpersonal and have direct impact on my life. I always expect that things will turn out. Bob Marley, mm -hmm. every little thing is going to be, be all right. right. And that runs through my head mm -hmm. and it runs through our heads a lot. Mm -hmm. And it will because we are those kind of people. 
we humans are optimistic, happy, reaching out beasts. And if we live that way, that's the way it's going to turn out. Mm -hmm. So parts of my life were, yes, very unpleasant. I was a poor child in the Bronx. I did not have things that other people had. Mm -hmm. Um, And you, you live through that. It's not something that you can carry with you. So don't carry those things with you and you have a, a chance of transcending them, of being beyond them. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of years in a hospital. Oh, really? I had a lot of operations. Okay. And after that, you have the choice of wallowing in that sure. or being optimistic mm-hmm. and saying, this too shall pass. And indeed... I will create the life that I... Because... Honestly, you have to. Mm -hmm. That's the alternative. You have to. No one's going to hand it to you. Just like being a writer, just like being an artist, just like being musicians, no one's going to knock on your door and say, I heard that you were great. Here's a contract. It's not going to happen. No. You have to, like I said, I'm a a very private, sort of shy person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But... There are things that you have to reach out for, whether it's to the person next to you mm-hmm. or you asking me to be on this because we had a conversation a little while ago about a story or reaching out to the larger community and say, this is what I'm doing. This is who I am. You have to do it. Yeah. There's, there is no choice because the other choice is pure misery and nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. No, not no. really. No. Um, has there ever been a time or moment in your life that you have looked back on your life or a poignant time and said, like, I'm really proud of that. I've worked really hard and I have achieved something that I think is notable and I'm proud of the work that I've done. I have a, in my, in my office, I have two bookshelves that have portfolio books with the pages that you can put paper in. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about? It opens up and there's plastic pages and inside you can put pieces of paper. Yes. They use them for meetings and things like that. Well, I use them for my clippings and I have have every piece that you've written that I've ever written that has ever been published. Oh, right. it's, It's on a full five foot shelf. That's like a part-time job. And they're all there. Well, every time something comes out, I use my little razor blade and I cut it out of the periodical and I put it in one of those pages and I put it on the shelf. And the next shelf is every play and every short piece that I've ever written. And that goes on that shelf. Mm -hmm. And I can look at those and say, this is what I've accomplished. Mm. And I am damn proud of every one of them. Every single one. Even if it was a listing of something or if it was a major piece that got attention from other people. Mm-hmm. It's all equally as valid um, because it's things that I can create of my own. Creation is a fabulous right. thing. Mm-hmm. People should try it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yes, that's that's yeah. that's my pride and I have no shame in it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's got, really cool. I've got all my posters on the wall of every show I've done, uh-huh. all the jazz shows that I produced, 
they're all up there. I make the posters mm. and I put them on the wall. And that's my shrine to me. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's, I think it is. Does that answer your question? It does. I'm not sure. You did it. Uh, every, all, all of the things that I know, right? Still got you, drink. You ready for another one? No, I'm all right. Right. Um, yeah, I think that it is a, a beautiful practice to remember how capable we are and the ways that we, um, cause no one's going to remind you. Right. I mean, sometimes, sometimes I mean, yeah, your friends and family, sometimes yeah. there's like moments of yeah. like, Hey, you pulled this off. Or like when you, you know, like things that I've done right. that I, um, have been, have been very grateful for, uh, because I need other people also to make it happen. Right. It's not just me, but sure. it is, it is putting it out there and then seeing, um, how people respond to it. Yeah. But reminding ourselves that we have so much capability and, and it is a lot of times just the first steps of mm -hmm. saying, okay, I'm going to do this. And then you don't know. Right. But, uh, right. there can be moments of beauty in there mm -hmm. as you put yourself out into the world yeah. that can be very uncertain, but, um, it's so worth the it. Audacious. The, the All audacious. you can do is fail. Yeah. Right. And then you move on. They to move on. Else, right. Know? The half hour before I love every part of doing a play, hmm. every single part from getting the idea to trying to write it down, to getting the script together, to finding that artists kind of... to work with, mm -hmm. although I hate the audition process with passion, to the first table read is the greatest joy of my life. Mm. To finding a stage, to putting it on, to that opening. Right. The only part I hate is the half hour before the curtain goes up. Ha. Because I know that the people are going to discover that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> and I physically have to leave the theater. For that half an hour? People who've worked with me know. It's an, oh, he's gone. Right. He'll be back. And I walk around the block. Fair and if enough. I run into someone while I'm walking around the block and they talk to me, I have to start over again. <laughs> so I leave and then I come back and the curtain goes up. And sometimes I speak and sometimes it just happens. And so everything is fine. Right. Yeah. So it's about embracing every part of it about what you're doing mm -hmm. and just enjoy it. Life is basically fun. Life. Life. Mm -hmm. huh? Huh? It's basically what fun. A th what a thing. Yeah. Well, it's been always uh, such a pleasure to know you. I feel like I've known you for a lot of years. A I've lived here time. 20 years. Yeah. So a lot of a lot of those years yeah, have we been. We ran into each other at Credo first when you were I think you were running there. Yeah, that was And I did a play there. I know because I, 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 I saw you there. I definitely saw you there. That's where we started. You. Um, but I, I do love all of the characters that we have in the Central Florida area, mm -hmm. and I think that you're one of them. And oh. I just have appreciated you from so many different aspects of. Um, I think just Orlando's community is so beautiful and unique and talented, and the different people that do put themselves out there and the ways that they offer their unique talents. Like we need everybody, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. However, we're differently created, right? Right. Is, is, um, Imagine the ones who the don't big... have that courage. I have these wonderful ideas in their head. Yeah. They just don't have the ability to put it out. Imagine. 
if they could just have a push, just once. a little push to just try it once, just do it. Yeah. There is so much to be, um, I think earned within yourself, mm-hmm. right. To say, mm-hmm. yeah, I, even though I do have fear, I step beyond that. And, and then there's, there could be failure of course. And then there could be, there has to be failure beautiful things how you learn that come from it yeah but i think that you've been somebody in the community that has been really authentic to yourself and that has i think benefited orlando well i appreciate that thank you yeah so i'm so i'm so honored to i think see how orlando offers so many diverse and different Mm -hmm. things and the people that are making it happen so with that, with that, we are going to transition to uh, one of my favorite topics, which I know that you're not quite as connected to, but um, got me. the Enneagram, right, is something that has, uh, I think, given me a lot of language to, and like speaking of the different people, yes. we need all different personality types, mm-hmm. we need all different, you know, we need the accountant, you know, we need a visionary. We need somebody who's going to know how to have enough technical knowledge to know how to run the lights and the soundboard and right. Yeah. Having, having to, um, just think about your, like only your own personality is obviously never going to make the world be cohesive or make the world go round. Right. And so sometimes for me, I can only see through my eyes and sometimes it's harder to understand uh-huh. from different perspectives. And like we were talking about self-awareness, um, how do you think like self-awareness like plays a role, um, in your life, in your relationships? I think that I've lived long enough to get beyond the place where I can live without being aware of what I'm doing. Yeah. What does that mean? It means that you have a certain amount of leeway and uh, a free ticket when you're younger. And you can sort of get away with stuff. And as you get older and your relationships become more valuable, you have to pay attention to how you react to things Mm -hmm. and what is in that toolbox that you've dragged with you for your entire life and how to use that. Mm -hmm. So the concept of self-awareness gets more valuable, I think, as you move on with your life Mm -hmm. because it has to. I would say, I'm going to say from my experience, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but I would say that until you're at least 30, you don't know who the hell you are anyway. It's just not there. Right. It's just not there. So, and in my case, as we said, I didn't know, even begin to know who I was until I was in my 40s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it doesn't come up or if it's just not important at the time or you're just not physically capable your brain isn't developed enough to be able to go that may not have been the right thing right or i really should have done or i should do that instead Hmm. i should say those things instead that would be a lot better (laughs) 
other people have feelings too. <laughs> yeah other people huh. have feelings too it's right. not just about me right yeah. that is a, a a huge awakening yes and a huge knowledge too mm-hmm. um I think as as we grow older and learn to like ways of honoring each other mm-hmm. and, and interpreting everyone else's worldview and the ways that they interpret and see the world and what motivates them can yeah. be drastically different than mm-hmm. what motivates me, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that perspective to, um, you know, working relationships as I think has been a huge thing for me to like working with people and especially if you're trying to get big productions done or you know for uh, on on my end as well like big dinners done having to um relate well and to and to, and to say we all have to work as a team right. and then knowing that not all the team members are the same yeah. so how do we motivate people on different levels to get the best out of them and to keep me sane mm-hmm. <laughs> and to it's an important part it's an important part right sure. yeah you have to be happy too Everybody has to get paid, including you, uh-huh. <laughs> in, so... in every every meaning of that word. Right. Yeah. It's pretty pretty interesting as we go along. So the the love affair that brought you to Orlando in two thousand uh, or no nineteen ninety six. Yes. Is that uh, still? Oh, absolutely. A current. Oh, only better. Only better. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit just about just had our twenty fifth anniversary of meeting? Yeah, yeah, it's quite something. That's quite something. It really is. Uh huh. Yeah, that's the longest anything I've ever done. Sure. <laughs> it's you said twenty five years. Yeah. Well, we met in ninety five. Okay. Yeah. And then you moved down ninety six. Yes. That's right. Mm hmm. She you said. Have, she says, it. blinking her eyes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to be at that place someday. Yeah. With somebody. Well, it happens. It happens. It happens, and it happens regardless of what, where you are in your life or what stage you are in your life or how long it takes. Mm. And sometimes it takes a long time. Mm. And it's worth waiting. Right. She yeah. seems very much your partner in crime. She is absolutely my partner in everything. Yeah. You know, we, um, we share most of our interests. We enjoy the same things Mm -hmm. she is my first read for all of my plays right uh and just a pleasure that's beautiful in in every you know in every instance right yeah um so you said you met on aol that's right how did those sparks fly We were in a place that was called the Writer's Cafe. <laughs> and, um, was this like a chat room? It was a chat room. Okay. It was a chat room at a time in AOL's history where you had to pay by the minute. Oh, Lord. Yes. Okay. So to be online? To be online. To yes. be in AOL. So it was a very expensive uh, beginning of a relationship. And so we met in this room that, like I said, had wannabe writers and professional writers and people who were just doing the job and doing it well and just enthusiastic, passionate so like discussion? people who knew words right. and knew the value of words, which I think has sort of vanished mm-hmm. these days, he says as an old codger. The kids these days, they don't know oh. about words. Um, 
So using words and more importantly, playing with words. This was the writer's cafe. We very rarely spoke about writing. Okay. We spoke about everything else, which of course is speaking about writing. Sure. Because that's the, what leads to the writing. So there were moments on a good day when we would have 50 people mm -hmm. in this chat room all talking at the same time, plus private messages, plus text, plus email, all going on at the same time. And to a kid with attention deficit, this is nirvana. <laughs> right. So I could have three different conversations going on You're in the room. You're firing at all and I'm just, on everything's, all levels. Everything's rolling by and right. I'm there. I am with it. So Jennifer, my partner, Jennifer Greenhill-Taylor, was in this room and she was an editor at newspapers. And so she too had this facility. Was in Central in Florida? Her, yeah, she was at the Sentinel. Oh, okay. And so uh, she also had the facility with words and enjoyed watching these streams go by. And she thought that I was just the best <laughs> because I was just... Everywhere I turned, there was somebody else talking to me, and I was in my element. Online. Online. Okay. And she... And you're in New York at this point. I'm in New York. She's here. And um, there was a situation with a person in the room, a long, complicated situation. But at one point, this person disappeared. She was no longer in the room. And so I asked... Jennifer, because I knew that they spoke outside, if she could give me an email or phone number or something, because I wanted to find out what was going on with this person. Hmm. And she immediately turned into Mama Lion and protected this person with such a ferocity that I immediately fell in love. Okay. This yeah. is a great story. Yeah. And so we went from there. Okay. And that's that. Was she as equally as smitten in that moment, or did you start this very intense love affair and then she caught up with it? No, I think I think we both simultaneously. The 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 beauty of that form of communication at the time mm -hmm. was if you were an honest person an honest, creative person, your personality would show up mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. And you get to learn what's underneath all the wisecracks and things fairly quickly. And I think we both clued into each other fairly quickly. Right. That we were both people who could be depended on and were honest mm -hmm. and were worth investment. Yeah. In. Yeah. I think it's a, um, a, a beautiful way and a beautiful, um, like expression of getting to know somebody like in this moment, we have so many avenues. Like we have obviously online dating, but we have Instagram and Facebook. We have so much that's like visual and people are projecting their best life. And, yeah. and the, the reality of the person that you're going to get is a crapshoot. Yes. 
and it's really hard right um to see the the underlying core of who somebody is mm-hmm. and so being one being separated like um you have the i feel like you had the ability to like establish relationship on friendship Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Before a lot of physical mm-hmm. levels, but to be well, there was nothing about that place that had anything to do with establishing relationships or dating or any of that, mm-hmm. because it was purely we were there for a specific perfect, interest, right? And we knew that that was a commonality. So anything beyond that right. was built on that, not on how tall are you and. What do you do for a living? Right. But falling in love with someone's intellect. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's such a, I feel like a more lasting yeah. um, And we were right there at the very beginning of online. I mean, this sure. was before anything. We had trouble just sending pictures to each other. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, I don't know. That's a, I think a lost art form. It really is. Yeah. Every now and then I go, is there chat rooms anymore and the answer is no or shouldn't be (laughs) have you um seen or heard of the show halt and catch fire Mm -mm. okay so it's on netflix right now okay and i'm watching it for the second time all the way through (laughs) because we have extra time these days do we but it is in my opinion some of the best television Mm -hmm. that's ever been and it's great but it is about um, kind of in the 80s of the dawn of the personal computer and then in the 90s of the dawn of the internet. Right. So it's they're hmm. talking about AOL and hmm. just like the, the time I of... to make a note of that. Yes. Um, he pulls out his phone and starts to make <laughs> right. a note of that. Uh, you go on and... I remember in to the, or 1995, I mean, that's the first time I got an e- email address and just <laughs> the amount of communication that you have had at that point and the, the, and chat rooms and AIM and all those things versus the accessibility and the, I think the overwhelmingness yeah. of what we have at this point right. is, is, and I mean, forget the dating world, that is a shit show it's just like there's just so much but i think that we feel the most connected like when we have real authentic authentic conversation right Mm -hmm. one definitely in person and and then also to uh having having platforms that give you a reach and that are pushing you to be also to be intellectual like i think a lot of times like we have lost that and even with the 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 fast pace of information that we have um in the fast pace of our attention spans now is mm-hmm. i think dra- drastically declined because of things of social media but i being, fit right in right <laughs> <laughs> but being able to to hone in and to i think get long-form stories yeah. is still so important yes and they are. long-form conversation yeah where you're not just like this one it's gone on for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think those things are still very important. And I think those are the things that make us the happiest. Yeah. And I think that's a huge mm-hmm. um, important thing in life. It's involvement. Yeah. We're just not involved in things anymore. It's crazy. So speaking of involved. Speaking of involved. Yes. Questions. The last topic, which is my favorite. uh, This is something that I am actually very passionate about. Okay. 
uh, which is rest. <laughs> and there's, like I, I mean, there's a million things that we have at our fingertips these days. Right. So we can always feel like we should be doing something or at mm-hmm. something or at the latest whatever. Um, and the beauty is that I think Orlando really has grown into a place that we have so many options these days. And that is such a, a beautiful expression of so many different people putting their talents out there, which is great. Um, and so now your job is editing of what you want to do. Right. I mean, maybe not in 2020, but in in times past, Um, theoretically, (laughs) theoretically, uh, but I find rest and to stop working Mm -hmm. um as incredibly important Mm -hmm. for the creative process um for physically for health for um there's just so many elements that taking time to step back step away rejuvenate play discover um get off email get off text you know just be able to step away um on a regular basis, you know, um, and then in things of, you know, vacations and, and such of really having an extended time to right. get away from the regular hustle and bustle of life. But what are some of the practices that you have adopted in your life that would be able to help you to have that time to have a mental break? Take a nap. Take a nap. Take a nap. nap. Yes. Nap is so good. Nap is so good. Yes. Yes. Even if it's like 15 minutes, just have a nap. And we can sort of do that now. I mean, people are going back to work and things, but right. naps are nice. Naps are nice. Yeah. Yes. I like that. We, um, in the theoretical world, we're not talking about the normal that we've come to know right. um, having dinner with people. We love mm-hmm. dinner parties. Mm-hmm. We love having eight or 10 people over and just going, okay, mesh <laughs> your turn. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let's see what happens. Sure. And that's always a tremendous lift. Mm-hmm. I have to say that since my life, our lives are not, standard not what regular Mm -hmm. other people do we both really enjoy the work you know we're both full-time writers we both work at home in the same room in our office and we do that we we will do that for two hours a day or Mm -hmm. six hours a day or 12 hours a day whatever it happens to be at the time and that is not unrestful Mm. because we're doing it with sure as a choice right as what we do so i can work on a piece for a magazine and if i get tired of that which will happen i've always got a script that i can pick up and work on or i can work on a website or something like that Mm -hmm. so it's you know, I'm not the typical respondent to that question mm-hmm. because I try not to. Of course, there's stress. Of course, there's deadlines. I couldn't live if there weren't deadlines. And of course, there are times when I go, I don't have enough time for this. Oh my God. Uh, and <laughs> even that is sort of enjoyable, you know? Even that's part of it. Right. As for rest, I, I read magazines. 
Okay. I'm not a I'm not a novel person. I don't have the attention really? span for that. I just don't. Okay. I, I will start That's a so novel and I'll get about ten pages in and I'll go, I can't do this anymore. But I will read Wait. three magazines a day. Okay. So little short chunks and I always try to learn one thing a day. That's my advice, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Learn one thing a day. Right. So I do that and play with the cats and watch British game shows. What is a British game show? I love British show? game shows. There's this whole... I'm into British crime shows. Oh, no. There's this whole subsector of British television, which are panel shows is what they call it. So there's things where you have like four or five... Like the honeymooners or something? No, no. It's like when you have four or five... It's usually comedians or people with wit. Okay. And they're all on a panel. Like whose line is it anyway? It's sort of in a way. Okay. In a way. And there's a person who's in charge. And there's questions or there's situations or there's something that allows them to respond in pieces of what can sometimes be genius and it's just i love these shows i love eight out of ten cats does countdown and i love taskmaster go on youtube and find okay. taskmaster okay taskmaster. There, yeah there's nine seasons of it they're about to do the 10th season Great. and they just have five Plenty comedians five british comedians okay and they give them a task and the task will be something like use this pumpkin to roll a bowling ball between these two lines. And they have to figure out how to do that. Okay. And it is piss yourself hysterical sometimes. It is just so funny. And I love this show. We, I, there's a new season coming out. So we went back to season one and watched them all over again. And we're just about finished with season nine, just in time just for in ten. Just in time for ten to come. Yes. And it's okay. just a passion. There's a thing called. I love this. Oh, yeah. There's a show called Never Mind the Buzzcocks, which is all about rock and roll. Okay. It's all questions about bands and music and situations. And it is rude as hell. And it is hysterically funny, and it was on for a long time, and most of them are on YouTube. That's just so these. That's my that's my go to. Okay. If I'm gonna sit down in front of television, yeah. I'm gonna watch one of those shows. Okay. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. This is something I've never heard of before. So I Taskmaster. Love, love Look for it. Love expanding. Love it. I'm glad we get to swap. Um, yeah. Television ideas. That's right. Yeah. This is great. Um, so that's how I relax. Had, I don't. You don't. What <laughs> I just if you do something had else. an ideal day? Yeah. It could be here. It could be anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. Money is of no consequence. Mm -hmm. If you could just have one day, Joseph gets to wake up mm -hmm. and live his best life mm -hmm. for, for 24 hours. Right. What would an ideal day look like for you? 24 hours in Venice. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell me more. I love Venice. You love Venice. We would move in Venice. Except you can't be like, you have to be a, you have to be very, very mobile in Venice because there's no cars. No. It's all it's streets all and stairs canals. and canals. And so you got to be really fit. <laughs> Nobody's going to carry you around. No. But Venice is. And you have to know where you're going. Not necessarily. Well, not necessarily. Wandering is With fantastic. GPS. 
Yes. Wandering in Venice, getting up at six o'clock in the morning and just hitting the street yes. is the best thing ever. But when you're there by yourself mm -hmm. and you're staying in a hostel mm -hmm. that is in a convent that closes at nine <gasps> and you're trying to get there and it's cold uh, and you're by yourself uh -huh. and then and you have no GPS uh -huh. and you have to get back by nine because the nuns close it at nine <laughs> and you're running because you don't know where you <laughs> where you are. <laughs> And you make it there uh -huh. late and uh -huh. they let you back in. Uh, I do love to you, wander. You hear. This is what you hear. <laughs> you didn't actually do that. I did that. Yeah, you did that. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I do love to wander for sure. But Venice was, was great. And also for me, it was like a frustrating mm. moment mm -hmm. because... Yeah. One, I was by myself, right. and so I think if I had somebody that we could, like, tag team and figure right. out. Right, But when the maps just don't make any sense <laughs> and they're so outdated. And I was there in, in I think, 2002. The, the, the maps are outdated. They haven't changed since the 1100s. I know. <laughs> so there's one where you have the whole day to wander. Right. And then it, and you end up where you end up. There's another time when you're trying to get home yes. and hopefully have a bed to sleep in. <laughs> in I think I think it was 2002, so it uh -huh. has been okay. a quite a long time. But, but that's, yes, that's so my, Venice. That's my place. Okay, that's, that's your place. place. Do you enjoy the the food there? Oh God, yeah. Italy is. Yeah, once you leave the tourist areas, the food is there's nothing like it. Mm -hmm. Which sort of we can have a whole Italian other thing is, talking about. Yeah. The Pompeii's table project. Oh. Okay. Like that would that would go on for another hour. Right. Nobody yeah. would be listening. Because we are right, we are about to wrap up. Um, okay. But the food is is yes, like it's none other. Inspiring and mm -hmm. and breathtaking and makes you want to go home and try it yourself and fail and still have a good meal. Mm. I could not agree more yeah. with that. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Mm. But, um, so the final question. Final is, question. Yeah. That was the we final made question. it. Okay. Um, you may have already touched on it, uh, I think, a little bit ago, but is there any MO or mantra that you kind of live your life by? Uh, the audacious. Mm -hmm. I already said that. Yeah. I truly believe in my heart of hearts that if you have been given the gift of being creative, whether it's from a deity or the powers that be or the collective conscious mm -hmm. or a comet passing through the Earth's atmosphere and sending off gamma rays that pierce other people's bodies before they reach you and you have the ability to create something, you have an obligation to do it. Mm -hmm. The world needs it. Mm -hmm. You owe it to existence to create something if you can. Mm -hmm. And if you can't, you owe it to the world to appreciate it. You have to be the creator or you have to be the audience. There's no other choice if you're a responsible person. Mm -hmm. That I live by constantly. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. That was a good one. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Where would we find you and all of your outlets that you put your creativity in this? Like, the, how would people find you? The part of my existence that I get the most pleasure from is the theater. And if you go to hayesplays.com, mm -hmm. H-A-Y-E-S-P-L-A-Y-S, -E -E mm -hmm. 
there's where all my work is. Okay. All the plays that I've done, that I'm working with. I've, I'm fortunate to be able to have videos to a lot of the work that I've done, and they're all up there. And you can see what it is. You can see what's coming up next. Mm-hmm. And if you want to drop me a line, uh, that's where I am. Okay. Yeah. And then you're also in a new... Uh, um, outlet with edible edible orlando Orlando. i just finished a piece for that that i spoke to you as a part of that will be out in november that's launching the beginning of november and that is like i said it's about the future about the possibility of where we're going from here right so that's your new kind of beat that it's i'm doing work for them okay yeah yeah yes i'm really fortunate to be able to find this group of people who care enough for the food community and for Orlando in general and the people in it Mm -hmm. that they're doing it with very little recompense. I mean, there's no, there's not a lot of money involved in this Mm -hmm. and they do it anyway. Mm -hmm. And they put out this beautiful, beautiful Mm -hmm. publication and it's available out in the world every quarter right and it's well worth picking up and looking at particularly now that i'm in it (laughs) (laughs) joseph thank you so much for spending some time with me thank you and sharing your stories and being a person that also uh believes in the power of sharing your story and you know you do that in a couple different ways around town and um yeah so thanks for being with me Thank you very much. Until next time. Yeah. Yeah. See you around. See you around. All right. Beautiful. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversation? 